0: On this episode of The Naturist Living Show, The Naked Yogi.
1: This episode of The Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca
0: Welcome, dear listener, to episode 123 of the Naturist Living Show. My name is Stéphane Deschaines. I'm your host for the podcast, and I'm the owner of Baroque's Family Natures Park. And first, I want to thank everyone who has been supporting the show since the last episode through Patreon. We've had a number of donations, and I want to recognize some of them. So I would like to thank François H., or François H., John W., John D., Alex A. and Dave T. for supporting the show, because everyone can listen to the show. It's free. But uh, we are getting the very kind and very generous donations from some folks to try to keep things going, to keep Samantha, who is producing and editing the show, Uh, doing this and hopefully eventually doing this as a job, maybe even a full-time job. So thank you. We had a great start, and we really appreciate everyone who participated. I will thank the people who are donating, unless you specifically tell me not to. But as you can tell, I will only use your first name and first initial. I was going to say first name, but I decided first initial because right off the bat, we have two Johns. So I want to make sure that each one recognized that we really, really appreciate the donation. We also have a, an audio comment from Andrew, so let's listen to
2: that. Hi, Stefan. My name is Andy. I'm a 68-year-old lifelong nudist in San Francisco. As a single and gay man coming of age in New York City during the 1970s, I wasn't welcomed by resorts or organizations in the area, you know, gender parity and all that. As a result, I was left to create my own very naked lifestyle in a largely unstructured and unsanctioned way. At 17, I began visiting clothing-optional public beaches, and by age 18, I was modeling for art classes and acting nude in an off-Broadway play. I was a home nudist who frequently stayed undressed when I had friends over, or would take off my clothes when visiting others, and I still do that. I became known for being nude in otherwise clothed social settings, and also, of course, among the few fellow nudists I did encounter. I moved to San Francisco in my 30s. After participating nude in regulated events like the Beta Breakers race and the World Naked Bike Ride, I eventually became one of the city's notorious everyday street nudists until the nudity ban was passed in 2012. I mean, nudity is our default state. To be ashamed of or offended by the human body is to be ashamed of or offended by simply being human. I don't buy the argument that we should always defer to those who are offended by nudity. Most of us are frequently faced with behaviors we find objectionable, but we are seldom harmed by them. I guess I consider myself somewhat of an activist for body freedom and body acceptance, including my own aging body. I guess I tend to push the envelope, both for my own sense of well-being and because I think the world needs that particular envelope pushed. More recently, I have finally added some more traditional naturist experiences to my resume, such as visiting resorts and going on a few nude cruises. And now I'm finding it challenging to be perceived as part of the problem of the aging nudist community, although I actually do understand it. The movement definitely needs new blood, and I value young naturists who have a presence. But... I'm rubbed wrong when they make negative remarks about the prominent visibility of naked old men. I've always been a visible nudist since I was 17, both in the default world and more recently online. And I don't intend to stop now just because I'm aging. And sometimes old men are the only ones willing to put ourselves out there. I actually have no idea as to what your response to my particular brand of very public, real-world nudism will be. For all I know, you may disapprove. But I have a lot of appreciation and respect for your contributions and for this show. So I just wanted to say hello and to invite you to reach out if you're so inclined. Thanks. So... um
0: First, I I want to tell you, Andrew, that I really appreciate that you lived through some very difficult times and that you stood up for things that's made a lot easier for people today. Um, And I'm glad you persevered, and I'm glad you didn't give in. And I don't think that anyone is actually saying old men are a problem. But I can see how it would feel that way, because it is almost like a joke, isn't it? Um, It's not that old men are our problem. It's that clubs and, that are only populated by old men because they are not uh, marketing themselves or making relevant themselves relevant to young people um, are not attracting anybody. And that creates places that are not growing and where only older men generally tend to be. Um, and it tends to be older men because single women in the older generation don't come. In the newer generation, it seems to be single women are coming without younger men. Um, but that's the next episode, episode 124, and we'll talk about that then. I'm actually, I've interviewed a number of women at Bear Oaks this summer, so a little preview of what's coming up. But back to what you were saying, Andrew. Um, and it, you know, I am totally for nudity rights. Um, you said you weren't sure whether I was going to agree with your type of nudity. No, I would have I would have been right there with you walking around San Francisco when it was legal. Unfortunately, it's not anymore, as you heard. Um, but when it was legal, I would have absolutely been there. And I, would, I think that was great because body acceptance as body freedom is a very, very important concept to naturists. But it's not actually naturism, and, and again, I prefer naturism. And if you want to use nudism, I don't care. I mean, it's not as long as we mean the same thing. We're trying to make the world a better place. Who cares? I understand your point that naturism sounds more like it's all about you know being a naturalist and being about birds and and butterflies and plants and all that stuff, which are great things to protect. Don't get me wrong. Um, but in Europe, naturism is definitely the term. That people are using. And um, I just think that because it's actually not about nudity—body freedom and body acceptance is about nudity. And again, that's a great thing. But naturism is about a lot more than that. It's not about nudity. Nudity is more the tool, um, especially in ethical naturism as I describe it, to get people to accept um, accept themselves for who they are, their own body, uh, get comfortable with, with what, what it is. And by taking your clothes off, you're kind of forced to accept that because you're letting everybody see it. You can't hide behind the clothes anymore. You can't hide who you are. And it's also about showing respect for others because you're not doing that, because you are presenting your true authentic self to others and not pretending some to be something more or different than what you really are. And, and it's about living a more natural life, hence the naturism aspect. Natural, though, meaning that uh, this is the way we were meant to be in a natural way. This is our natural state. Um, and of course, with that comes, though, an appreciation for living with the rhythm of the nature and what our bodies need. And and it, with that, of course, comes in respect for nature, because we feel like we're more part of it than we do when we... Cloak ourselves in, you know, the, the 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 garb of society. Um. So so I think we we agree because I agree with what you're doing, but I'm doing uh, I'm talking about something slightly different as well. And when I say ethical naturism, what I'm talking about is the naturism and even the nudism in North America that was being described at the middle of the 20th century. So it, but I created the the scale that goes from recreational naturism or nudism to ethical naturism or nudism um, to recognize the fact that that philosophy that ideology has gone away uh, for a lot of people or it's been forgotten or it's been watered down and some people just enjoy being nude and naturist and nudist clubs for its own sake so in that case it's more about you know just the right to be nude and being comfortable. Uh, nude and not having to follow rules that says you shouldn't be comfortable and you should be ashamed and embarrassed and offended by your own image. That's wrong. I I totally agree. So I think we agree, but I think I'm also sometimes talking about the same thing you are, but also sometimes talking about something slightly different, uh, where the nudity is no longer just a right uh, or it's about freedom. The nudity is about doing more and changing how we interact with each other, see ourselves and see others. So, but all good things, I think you'll agree. Um, Andrew gave us a link to uh, his WordPress uh, blog, uh, The Naked Gentleman, and I will put that in a show notes if anybody wants to learn about Andrew and what he's done and what he's doing. Next, I just want to mention episode artwork. With this episode, for the first time, we have episode artwork. Uh, Well, unique episode artwork. There's always been the episode for the show, um, and that's what shows up in most of your uh, players. But a lot of the podcast players, uh, including Spotify, show specific episode artwork if it exists. I haven't been doing it because the problem with the images that I use on the website is that there's full nudity, and I actually embed that in the uh, ID3 ID tags, uh, which uh, you can only see. I think there's only one uh, podcast player that shows that, and I'll put, uh, I'll put links to that in a show notes so you can know which ones do which. Um so there's the the show artwork which is you know the yellow square with the outline of the family that we've used forever and that's been created very specifically because I don't want to get into the same problems that I have in all the social media which is that I get the occasional episode blocked and they can't delete our show because our show exists but they could delist our show from the directories which means that you would still be able to listen to it if you're subscribed um, but you would not be able to uh, find it if you're not, at least through the directories, if they delisted us. But so, if apparently it does look nicer if there's unique episode artwork with a title, and that's what I'm doing, starting with this show. Um, and the image that we use on the uh, uh, the show website, naturistlivingshow.com, will be that episode artwork. But we're going to put the title over it, and we're going to cover all the bits. So there's zero chance of anybody thinking we're doing something that we're not supposed to and people complaining and getting delisted. So if you want to see the actual pictures, whenever it is a show, you either use a podcast player that shows the ID3 tag, which is the MP3 uh, image that's embedded. Or, which is a little techie, so I apologize for that. Or you'd follow us on Twitter, where Twitter at this point and so far and always has been very tolerant of nudity, so we can do that. Or you go to our website, which we 100% control and nobody can ever block or delete or censor. So um, those are your choices and that's just letting you know if you start to see different images other than the yellow square in your player, that's why. <laughs> Today's uh, episode is about the naked yogi. Now, we've talked about yoga before, and there's a number of people who do nude yoga. Uh, Sarah Jane is the naked yogi, and she's actually, she's Canadian. Um, uh, She's nowhere near us. Canada's a very big country. (laughs) Uh, It's over 5,000 kilometers if you were to fly from the East Coast to the West Coast. And to give you a little bit of perspective, if you were to fly from Copenhagen to uh, Gibraltar, uh, which is across most of Europe, uh, in Diagonal and through Spain, you would do about half of that trip in Canada. And we would still be in the same country after 5,000 kilometers. Anyway, she is in Canada, though, as are many people. Um, and, but the reason I mention that is because she's nowhere near me, and she was actually interviewed by uh, Tim Chismar our West Coast intrepid reporter from in the U.S. So it's kind of funny because it's actually further away. But whether I was doing it or Tim was doing it, it was going to be an over-the-web interview. So without further ado, let's listen to Sarah Jane.
3: It is me, it's him, it's T-I-M for the Naturist Living Show. We have on the podcast today somebody that I'm really excited about because I, I she's all over social media and I, I've seen her popping up on all of my feeds, all the feeds. Uh, this is Sarah Jane. She's the Naked Yogi, and we're really excited to find out all about her. Thank you so much for joining me, Sarah Jane.
4: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
3: Sweet. So let's dive right in. You know, this is a nudist podcast for naturist living. Do you consider yourself a nudist?
4: This is uh, something that Actually kind of came to me by surprise, short the answer is yes, I do consider myself a nudist or naturist Yay. But I was kind of yeah, I was kind of surprised by that label. People started asking me on social media when I began publishing my content whether I was a nudist. Well, actually, they started asking me how long i 've been a nudist, presuming that the answer was that I am a nudist
1: <laughs>
4: and at that point, I kind of looked into nudism and realized that all of the things that I was intuitively expressing um are the kind of like fundamentals of the nudist movement. So without being aware of this movement as an ongoing phenomenon, I just kind of organically was creating my own content that totally fits within that niche.
3: I would definitely I would definitely say so. It's resonated with a lot of people when even the things that you say, you're very um you're on a spiritual path that I that nudist would identify with. I mean, some of the topics that you bring up um emphasize people's oneness with their bodies and not being you know ashamed to be in their natural state things like that so it it does seem to go hand in hand tell me a little bit about the journey what what brought us here did you grow up in a kundalini household when did you discover yoga and 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 why naturism i mean let's uh let's dive in what brought you here sarah jane
4: actually what you mentioned about um a lot of my messages being related to overcoming shame. That's been a big inspiration for how I got where I am because I didn't come from a yoga household and I didn't come from a naturist household. I actually came from a community that was very evangelical Christian. And so there was a lot of shame related to body, a lot of shame related to sexuality. Um, I just, there was a a lot of influences that perpetuated that were perpetuating shame and like narratives of shame in my life. So when I moved out of that community and started learning about other ways of living, other ways of being, um, both yoga and naturism were very healing to me. (laughs) So yoga, um, allowed me to find a lot of peace of mind because it's really connected to a tradition of meditation and naturism, um, well, really embracing naturism was something that uh, was just an expression of freedom that I had often repressed in my own life because I remember from a very young kid loving nudity. And oh, cool. as yeah, and as a teenager, I began sleeping naked and was like, okay, I don't need to have sleepovers with my friends anymore because being naked is better. <laughs> uh, I just like always really enjoyed nudity, um, but it wasn't considered like acceptable in most of the places that um, I moved. So when I started thinking more for myself, I was like, you know, I, this is not shameful. This is not wrong. My body is not sinful just for being a body. My body is just a body. There's no inherent value judgment related to it. So I can be free with my body and I can model that so that other people have the opportunity to feel free with their bodies. If, if nobody has ever told them that their body is okay, I want to be the person telling them that their body is okay.
3: When did you first experience social nudism? Did you uh, go to a nude beach or uh, pose for an art class? When, when, when did you ever experience that?
4: Probably the first very memorable experience was in high school. A couple of my close friends and I, um, all female, we're talking about how we all thought that our boobs were weird looking. And so it occurred to one of us, what if we all just look at one another's breasts and we'll figure out what's weird and what's not. And so we all undressed and looked around and discovered that all of our bodies were so different that there's no sense of one breast. Like there's no model breast that we all have to uh, look like or anything like that. We were all so diverse. There was just a small group of us and even just with the small group, the diversity in bodies was amazing. And it relieved so much pressure for me. I was afraid that, I mean, I'll talk in detail about my body. It's all over the internet. Um, my areolas are dark and they're wide. And I thought that was weird because the images that I had seen of women online, their are- areolas were like, at least of Caucasian women, were lighter and more and smaller. So I thought that my boobs were the weirdest until I saw other people's breasts. And I was like, oh, yeah, some people have dark areolas. Some people have wide. You know, like there's no normal to adhere to. So that was my, my first kind of experience of um, being... Uh, nude in a non-sexual context uh, socially
3: breasts are interesting in that you know a lot of times women will have one uh, one that is one size and the other one's a different size and that's that's got to be just hell trying to find the right bra you know
4: yeah. yeah. Well, I, I stopped wearing a bra in high school, so I don't oh. even have that problem at all. Sometimes people will message me questions like, you know, all sorts of questions about my body. And sometimes people ask my cup size and I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no
3: idea. <laughs> I'm, hmm, I'm a little surprised they would even ask that, which which is a, a good transition into I wanted to ask you about about your followers. I mean, do you feel that you are? sexualized and 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 harassed at at all i mean is that or is it something that you own and you're like well this is just part of part of this path
4: Mm. well i would separate being sexualized and being harassed i've never felt harassed um occasionally people do message me repeatedly uh, with the same (laughs) question so sometimes people will ask for private photos or ask for um and by private i mean just like photos custom for them. And sometimes people will ask about uh, like sexualized photos that I'm not interested in taking. And usually my response to that is just very polite. I I don't create that kind of content. If you want to see what I've posted, feel free to check out my feed, that kind of thing. And sometimes, you know, people will ask repeatedly. And after maybe five times of giving the exact same polite response, I'll just stop responding. So I don't I wouldn't consider that harassment. I don't feel attacked or in danger in any way. Um, so it's just kind of like I'm, I'm polite and, and eventually dismissive. Um, when it comes to being sexualized, that is something that I do experience a lot. Um, but I have a really strong sense of my subjectivity. This is something I was thinking about before getting on, on the call with you, knowing that yeah. this was probably going to be a topic, a topic that comes up. Um, the reality of objectification is that it happens in the eye of the, person who's objectifying you it's objectification is a part of gaze so and and subjectivity is how I live I don't live in the gaze of others so you know whether whether people are are looking at me with a sexual gaze or any other sort of gaze I don't live in the eyes of others or for other people so I can maintain my subjectivity uh, throughout a, you know, whatever way that people react to me. And this is just a reality of life in general. Like sometimes, you know, you'll say you're driving and somebody has road rage and directs all their anger at you. They're looking at you with a hateful gaze, but that has no effect on who you are inherently as a person. But yeah, I I don't feel trapped by people's gaze. So I'm not concerned about the way that other people look at me. But when it comes to sexuality, uh, I'm very sex positive. And uh, that was something that I was thinking about from the beginning of creating the Naked Yogi is that many people will probably come to my content through a sexual um, desire or through a kind of like uh, kink niche of of Naked Yoga. I'm sure that that's a kink for some people. Yeah. And so I I kind of prepared from the beginning that I would be doing a bait and switch, you know, so like. You know, people will see my content and be like, oh, beautiful naked woman. I'm going to I'm going to buy her stuff and just whatever pleasure myself. And then what they discover is everything that comes out of my mouth and the captions that I post and everything is just uh, self-love and um, self-worth and all these kinds of things. So anybody that is looking to fill a void in their life through pornography and self-pleasure might find that rather than filling the void with those um, kind of temporary uh, band-aids, they might be able to find a more long-term solution to to the issues that they're, they're facing. And, and I mean, because I'm a sex-positive person, there's nothing wrong with masturbation, in my uh, opinion. And, and there's nothing wrong with pornography, as long as it's ethically made. But I know that some people do struggle with like pornography addiction or, or they use pornography in a way that's not healthy. And so I wanted to be able to reach those people and say that there is an alternative. Um, loving yourself as a whole being rather than just in the um, sensual pleasures. Yeah, I recall
3: that you commented recently, somebody asked you about uh, erections and you were saying that you feel like it's just a, a natural occurrence and not something to freak out about.
4: Yeah, totally, totally. And I think that um, erections kind of get a bad rap because they're externally visible. But the reality is I know that vagina owners experience wetness at random times. So this um, these symbols of arousal are not inherently tied to arousal, but I think sometimes penis owners get a, a bad rap because the, the symbols of arousal are visible on their bodies in ways that they're not visible on um, AFAB bodies. So uh, I, I really don't think that erections are a big deal, just the same way as I don't think it would be a big deal if somebody experienced su- like surprising wetness.
3: Yeah. Um, as far as just strictly on the, the course, what you do with the yoga, would you say you're more on the metaphysical woo-woo side or, or more like strength conditioning physical? Which or, or are you a balance of both?
4: I would say that I balance the both. So right now, the videos that I've been creating up to this point have been really on the physical side. Um, but a topic, a kind of um, focus within the yoga world that I'm interested in is uh, around the theories of bodily affect um, which is basically what are the ways that emotions live in the muscles as physical symptoms so I'm I'm really interested in uh, using yoga and stretching to um, find release in mental health so it, it's not so much like the woo woo spiritual side as a more like concrete um mental health therapeutic side. But that's, that's what I'm interested in. And as I mentioned before, shame and dealing with shame has been a huge part of what inspired me personally in my life. And also what I want to inspire in others is to kind of overcome shame. So I uh, like to think about what are the different ways that shame and other feelings live in the body and, and what are physical practices that we can use to release the tension around those emotions so that we can also re- release the psychic tension
3: interesting because I've had a love-hate relationship with yoga over the years. When I was in college, I did yo- uh, Hatha yoga and then I've joined yoga studios and I just, I can't seem to make it a real part of my life. I never fully commit to it. I, I have the mat and I have the pillow and I have all this and, and I, I can only, when I go to the, the event and everybody else is there, then I participate. But when I leave, that's it. I don't take it with me. I've never been able to do yoga at the beach or you know on my balcony by myself. And I, I don't know why does doesn't really resonate with me in my real life. It, it seems to be this external event when I'm with a bunch of other people, you know?
4: Right, right. And I, I think that'll vary based on on person and their individual stories. I think part of the reason that yoga resonated with me so much is that I have always been an athlete, and that has been a huge part of my behavior and the way that I understand myself. So I throughout my life have have at different times focused on different sports. And yoga just really kind of struck a chord with me because I had spent so much time playing team sports where kind of fueling anger and negative emotions was a way to access playing harder, tackling harder, doing this kind of stuff. But I I know about myself that I want to have a calm, easy, peaceful state of mind. So I don't want to be generating and holding on to negative emotions all the time in order to be a successful athlete. So when I found yoga, I discovered that it is so closely tied with the meditation practice. So I was getting that physical stimulation that I have sought my entire life while also finding the kind of calm in my mind that I didn't really know what I was missing until I received. (laughs) So yoga really resonated with me for that reason. But I know it resonates with other people for other reasons too. Like, for example, I was recently messaging with a subscriber who um, was on a big weight loss journey and started yoga actually for stress management, so for the mental health side of the practice, and discovered that it was extremely helpful in his weight loss journey. So in his case, what resonated with him was kind of the opposite for me. Like I, I really resonated with the mental health side when I was looking for the fitness side, and he was looking for the mental health side and resonated with the fitness side.
3: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I've always heard that you can't think your way to a healthy body. But if you, you know, eat and exercise, you can uh, affect your brain, you can, uh, you know, physically lead to better thinking. As far as being a yogi yourself, where did you study? How did you? Who did you study under? How did you, you know, learn what you're doing?
4: I've learned from a variety of teachers. So when I started yoga seriously, it was at a hot yoga studio. Um, so I I was just going to the classes there and, uh, really, really enjoyed it. So they have a program at that studio where you can volunteer your time to do kind of janitorial type work in exchange for a $1 per week membership. And that was financially, um, necessary for, for me at the time. I couldn't afford the monthly membership. So I started doing that and that really got me into a habit. Like if I was going to be Uh, volunteering my time, I wanted to make sure that I was also taking lots of classes to make it worth it. So the beginning of of taking yoga seriously was at a a hot studio. And then when circumstances changed and I wasn't able to go to the studio as much, I started practicing online. So just YouTube. Um, I really like Yoga with Adrienne. She's a huge inspiration in how she teaches her pre-recorded classes. Um, So I, I did lots of that on YouTube as well as Uh, just searching, you know, random, like yoga for this, yoga for that, and uh, learning from a variety of teachers there, and now I practice at a um, local studio that is, it's not a a hot studio, it's just a regular Hatha studio, and I have a, um, I take private lessons with different teachers, depending on what I'm working on, so right now, I'm really focused on um, my shoulders, it's, the area of my body that is like the most resistant to development. Mm. So I I went to a variety of classes and found a teacher who um, Mm. was particularly good in that area. And so now I'm taking private lessons with her. So that's been my training. I actually haven't gone through the process of doing yoga teacher training under the official accreditation. um, Partly because to be honest, I decided to pursue uh, a yoga path in the final semester of my undergrad, and I was looking at my tens of thousands of dollars of undergrad debt for a degree that I didn't plan on using for my career. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to go into deeper debt until I'm 100% of my. I'm sure of the path that I'm on. And now I'm quite confident in the path that I'm on, but I've also discovered that if you're a good teacher and if people connect with you in a kind of personal personality way... Uh, yoga teacher training is not required on for the online um, kind of method of teaching. It is required if I want to become a full time studio teacher, but that 's not really in my mind right now. Um, I do hope to take yoga teacher training when i 'm able to save the money for it but it 's pretty expensive, so that it 'll be a, a, just a little bit of time. but I do eventually plan on on getting the official accreditation just for the sake of um, you know appeasing the naysayers if if i 'm pursuing teaching opportunities. It's nice to have that on the resume just to make everything smooth. I'm actually uh, really excited because I just put in my notice at my day job so that I can go full-time with yoga. and. Yeah, and so that'll really free me up um, geographically as well because the yoga that I've been practicing so far is online or teaching so far is online. So when I'm no longer tied to a particular location for my work, I'll be able to travel from you know resort to resort and hopefully do a lot of teaching in that way. I have taught live. Um, when I was first making the decision to be a yoga teacher, I would invite my friends over to my apartment and teach them just so I could learn how to do yoga um, the actual teaching but i it i've never done it to i've never taught a group class for a bunch of strangers though i'm really excited for when that opportunity comes
0: so we will be right back with the rest of the interview with sarah jane but i just want to appeal to you if you have not uh, subscribed or donated to the show through patreon please consider doing it Uh, it's going to make a difference you can listen for free We want to keep spreading the word. We're not going to stop. Um, But as you can see, Samantha is getting some support now. All the money that comes through Patreon goes to uh, either Samantha directly or for costs of running the show. But at this point, it's all going to to Samantha. And uh, nothing comes to me. I am not looking to make any money in this. I never have, and I don't want to. But it is possible for us to do more, and we're trying to do more. And with Samantha being able to put more time into it, If she can make more money, then she can make this her job. And that means a Naturist Living Show can have more episodes more often, and we can do a better job, and we can go further. So go to patreon.com slash naturistlivingshow, and you can make a huge difference. Thank you. And now back to the interview with Sarah Jane.
3: I know on uh, social media, I, I mentioned the the backgrounds would look more exciting. Like if you were at a resort with trees and grass and a little koi pond behind you, that sort of thing. Like the, uh, I feel like that would only add to the, uh, to the visuals, you know?
4: Totally. And that's, that's exactly what I want. Like I was actually saying this to somebody recently that often Um, With yoga, I have to choose between practicing naked and practicing outdoors. But really, I want to be able to do both at the same time. So, Naturist Resorts are really the best place to get those opportunities.
3: Definitely, yeah. And the guy who sponsors this podcast, Stefan, over at Bear Oaks, is fantastic. I mean, his place is uh, it's got its own lake i mean it's just amazing between cabins and the community and the people and um i know he and i both are excited for you to swing by and experience it for yourself so. yeah
4: totally in fact it was stefan that gave me my first group class opportunity by inviting me to the volleyball tournament that happens at bear Oaks every summer you're, you're yeah.
3: new you're newer in in how long have you been around is it a year
4: Not even, not even. I came up with the idea of the Naked Yogi in November of 2019. And we're recording this in September of 2020. So it's less than a year that I even came up with the idea, let alone launching content.
3: Well, that's that's what I was going to say as far as you're going to pick up the opportunity for advertisers and sponsors. And at some point, somebody will offer to fly you out and pay you to teach at their resort because you'll be filming there to all your followers. So you know, expect right. something like that. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful of that for sure. I'm, I definitely am.
3: <laughs> oh, I have a couple other uh, questions here I'm going to hit you with. Um, have you done anything overseas? Because I know a lot of times at yoga studios, they'll talk about, you know this big event in thailand or bali or have you done anything like that outside of canada
4: no i haven't i haven't though i hope to so um just as i was talking about with like having geographical freedom by working online that means that i'll be able to tour um naturist resorts in north america but also i hope to spend some time of my life traveling in a kind of more global way so i hope i hope that uh I will be able to do those opportunities in the future, and I, I do have a bit of a launching pad. One of my family members lives in Singapore, so uh, oh. that's kind of a launching pad into a lot of Asia. So I, I hope that I will be able to do to do that at some point, but I haven't yet. I haven't yet. I'm still just fresh green.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, since you, you mentioned that your body is, you know, out there on the internet, I imagine a topic that would come up just in the journeys and in the pictures and in the video is, uh, the subject of body hair. You, um, you you seem to be more of a fan of going natural in that regard as well. So pubic and armpit and, you know, can you sit, maybe speak on why you, you know, feel to go that way?
4: Yeah, it's just the authentic expression of what feels good for me. So I actually released a video about this topic on YouTube and on Vimeo. And really, it doesn't come down to any kind of principle of of naturalness or anything like that. It's just what feels good for me. Like, all of my experiences of shaving have been around... Um, bullying, primarily, I started shaving my legs when, as a preteen, a classmate made fun of me for having hairy legs. So I was like, oh, I guess I have to shave now. And then I stopped shaving because I didn't like it and moved to a new school where I was made fun of again for having hairy legs. So I was like, oh, gosh, I have to shave my legs to fit in here, too. And just kind of over the course of growing up and becoming more confident in myself, I realized that I don't need to appease those people. I don't need to change myself for them. Um, And I can just do what I want. And what I want is really um, simplicity. It's not that I want my body hair or anything like that. I just really appreciate simplicity in life. So um, the, the less I can do, the better. Like I don't even, I don't use shampoo and conditioner in my hair. I wash my body with an antibacterial cloth rather than with soap. I just kind of keep the products and the things in my life as small and simple as possible, which means not shaving.
3: Okay. Okay. Neat. Yeah. I just figured that was one of those things that, uh, you know, cause so many people, especially when they're doing media and video, they're, they're like, Oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta look perfect. I gotta have all this makeup and, uh, all this kind of, so it's, it's nice to, you know, to see you embrace just, this is who I am and, uh, and let's get to it. So <laughs> it's,
4: yeah. It's nice. Yeah. And I, I don't wear makeup either. And I still occasionally when I'm looking at people who have similar types of content to me, like other nude models, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't wear the makeup like they do. I don't wear jewelry like they do. I don't, whatever. And every now and again, I have these waves of, I'm not going to make it in the world because I'm not doing the same thing as everybody else. Mm -hmm. But, I think that's truly the, the secret to why my content has been exploding in the last couple of months is because I I'm different from a lot of what people see online. I don't wear makeup. I don't shave. I just kind of accept myself the way that I am. And so much of the content that is often available on social media is stuff that projects an image that is impossible. So I, I'm just um, accepting myself the way that I am. And, and it's, um, sometimes scary because it's it's different from what a lot of people are doing, but it's also I think the the secret to why people are connecting with me is because i'm i'm not trying to falsify a persona i 'm trying to be as real as the platform allows me to be
3: oh very cool i understand that's that's good I mean all the way around you seem like you really Got your head on straight, and you you know you know what you're doing. A lot of times, people will go into something like this, and they burn out in a, a few months because they're not really prepared for the kind of um, you know lifestyle and reactions and and whatnot. I in in the nudist. Uh, Activism. I've been involved in lots of parades and uh, events and whatnot, and there have been people who have come through and they're like, oh, you know, I'm Mrs. Nudist, you know, and, and then, you know, a year later, she's like, don't even bring it up. You know, he wants to take down all the pictures and, and all this. So I, I think it's good that you're going into it and you, you know, I don't think it's going to be something that you're, you're going to regret. So even if you don't mm-hmm. stick with this for the next 10 years, I, I think it'll be a, a learning and a growth and a, um, an optimistic uh, lesson for for folks. And I, I think you have the right, the right mindset. Now, speaking of health, uh, what, what is your diet like as far as like, are you vegan or, or vegetarian or anything like that?
4: Um uh, uh, this is also surprisingly actually a hard question for me to answer as well. Oh. I um I try to Thank eat you vegan the hard ones. Uh, yeah, yeah. I try to I try to eat vegan as much as possible just cuz that aligns with my um my ethics, my environmental ethics. The um environmental effects of animal agriculture are pretty uh pretty intense. So I primarily try to eat vegan, but the reality is that that's just not always um like very accessible, uh, partly because I live with other people who are not vegans. Um, Luckily, my partner is vegetarian, so that makes the vegetarian aspect easy. But there, you know, there's dairy, there's eggs and that kind of stuff. But what makes this this question difficult is um, saying, you know, I am a vegan or I am a vegetarian. One of the things that I try to encourage in my followers is that Uh, you don't have to define yourself and fit within definitions. Those can be really limiting, right? So I really like to encourage people um, about the flow state and kind of like Taoist mentality of flow state. So I I am not a vegan, though I make vegan decisions 50% of the time. And I'm not a vegetarian, though I make vegetarian decisions the other 50% of the time. Uh, That kind of thing. So I, I... try as frequently as possible, not to um, give myself a strict definition, but allow myself to be open to the kind of flowing expression of myself, which I mean, when it comes to diet is is vegetarian and vegan typically.
3: Oh, great. Now, uh, your followers, how, how can people what's the easiest way to see what you're doing? Is it I think you have a, a Patreon? Is that the best way for us to send people your
0: to you?
4: Yeah, I mean, if anybody is like, really inspired by this brief little chat and wants to support me financially right away like feel free to check out my Patreon um, I'm also on OnlyFans it's the same content on both sites um, and in both cases the handle is The Naked Yogi um, but if you're just interested in learning more about my messages and seeing kind of uh, how I interact with people on social media I'm most active on Twitter which is at The underscore Naked Yogi.
3: And the videos you post there, are they uh, from Vimeo? I, I don't know what your status with YouTube was. was were they giving you some trouble?
4: Yeah. So I, I had a YouTube account, which my first video that I ever posted on that YouTube account Went almost viral. It was like eight hundred thousand views, and virals like a million by some people's, you know, measurements. Wow. Yeah, um, and I think that's just because you know people are tend to be so obsessed with female nudity that it just kind of like um, struck a chord Bo- for a lot was of what? people. Bo- yeah, I know, Boob's right? What? Where? <laughs> <laughs> and so I I did my best to um, follow. YouTube's rules and they allow nudity as long as it's not for the intention of sexual gratification. So I would make sure that I mentioned that in all of my videos. Um, that I was there to educate and artistically inspire people about nudism and about self acceptance. And so I thought that I was doing everything that was required, but the sensors are as they are. So that original YouTube account was deactivated and I decided to focus more on Vimeo. Wow. So most of my content is on Vimeo now because it allows um, a very okay. free naturist type of expression, though I do have a new YouTube account. I'm, I'm just not that active on it. I have it available for when I'm making, um, content that falls within YouTube's, um, restrictions. But for the most part, uh, my free content is on, on Vimeo and on Twitter.
3: It's so weird that they would take the whole channel down. You would think if there was a video, you would get a warning about a video.
4: Yeah. Some of these things, they're hard to figure. Like I received a couple warnings for my Facebook posts. um, and, again, I was doing my best to follow the censorship. I, you know, started with like a pixelated sensor, but apparently it looked too, too flesh-like. So then I changed the type of sensor and I, I tried a few different types of censorship, but my, my stuff kept on, on being removed on Facebook. And I was posting the exact same content to Instagram and never had a warning on Instagram. Um, and then one day my Instagram was just gone. I guess some, someone in Facebook realized that the the accounts were connected and, and disabled my Instagram, even though I didn't receive any warnings on that platform, but you know, it is what it is. And I, It's just been a process of learning what platforms work well for me and which platforms don't.
3: A lot of your uh, mindset seems to be in line with plur, uh, peace, love, unity, respect of, you know, raves and and dance events. Do you have kind of a, would you say you're like a Burning Man type rave um, sensibility? Is that something that you would fit into? (laughs)
4: Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> cool. I've never actually been to Burning Man, but I, uh, I definitely enjoy music festivals. I definitely enjoy the, the raves that are local. Um, I remember actually once I was traveling with a friend of mine, and um, we were trying to go to this club in New York, and we ended up in Boston, and uh, so we were dressed up the way that we had planned to dress up to go to this kind of like... Um, alternative style club in New York and, and we were in Boston which is a little bit more of a conservative town so we, we stood out a little bit and I remember in line to enter the club somebody was like are you a burner? <laughs> just by the way that I look.
3: And yeah. I like, uh, they, yeah definitely, okay. they definitely have a look. I, I dated a girl who would go to Burning Man every year and uh, after she got back just because of the pictures and, and whatnot I, I was literally at a, a grocery store and I saw a girl who had these like fuzzy boots and I just got a vibe and I went up to her I was Burning Man. She's like, oh, it was great. You go. Like I I could could just tell that she was one of them.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've actually some of um, some very freeing bodily experiences that I've had have been at music festivals. Like I remember this festival that I went to last summer. Um, I really wanted to. Uh, be topless for most of the weekend, but most people weren't doing that. And I, I, you know, didn't want to stick out like a sore thumb. I, you know, was dealing with all of those types of insecurities. And, um, and then what this person walked right in front of me, like just mostly naked and I was like oh my god this is so freeing okay I can do if they're doing it I can do it too you know and it wasn't a a naturist resort it wasn't a news resort it was just a music festival and that's the kind of vibe of like freedom and self-love that I think kind of crosses over in in those two worlds
3: Um, I wanted to ask you just for the sake of people who may not be familiar with the saying what does it mean to be sex positive
4: Mm, I think Uh, at least the way that I interpret it in my own life is that I believe that sexuality is a normal, natural and beautiful thing. Um, Like Sorry, I'm just trying to like figure out exactly like a like, Yeah, I got yeah you got me. <laughs> you got me. Yeah, um, I believe that like sex is normal, natural, and beautiful. Whereas so many people receive the narrative as a child that um, sex is shameful and terrible and sinful and wrong. Right. So you know, I think that there are um, boundaries and limits in in all things, and they're often around. Um, harming others so I I'm not supportive of uh, sexual expressions that are harmful to others I think that you know um consensual BDSM is totally okay if that's what you're into mm-hmm. but that's not the same thing as harming others um because it's consensual um but yeah if if as long as you're not harming other people you know I I think it's totally okay to express your sexuality
3: yeah that's that's a pretty that's that's a good mindset I can't imagine anybody would argue with that, you know, um pre prejudging people based on what they think is weird or out of the norm. Oscar Wilde said the only normal people you know are the people you don't know that well. So, you mm-hmm. know, Mon and Pa Kent across the road, you don't know what they do, uh, you know, on Saturday night. So
4: yeah.
1: you know. <laughs> yeah,
4: totally. I mean I grew up in a um uh in a culture that really did heap a lot of shame onto sex and Um, premarital abstinence was, oh my God, paramount. So when I decided that that was not going to be my path and I decided to, um, like have my first sexual experience, I remember being so surprised that I felt all right. I was afraid that I was going to like totally feel this void open up in myself and I would realize like the, the depth of my sinfulness or something like that. But it wasn't that at all. I was just like, well, that was fun. Okay. You know, like that, that was fun and I'll do it again. You know? And so that that's really where I come from with sex uh, positivity It's just, it, it's not a terrible thing. You know, some people have been sold the bill of lies that sex is terrible, and it's just not. So like, it's okay to embrace it and, and uh, be whatever kind of freak you want to be.
3: Let me ask you this. Um, when you when you went into this particular line of work um what was the reaction like to those close to you you know uh did a family member disown you or you know did you run into any trouble with that
4: i definitely have had difficult conversations my my friends um obviously the people that i've chosen to be intimate in my life understand me and have been supportive from the beginning um family members it has been a little bit more difficult like one of my uncles said to me Ser and I worry about you. Am I confident in myself? And like, you know, it's I'm I'm just fine. And I've also had conversations that um where I was being kind of morally criticized as if the thing that I'm doing is immoral. But the the reality of those conversations is when I see somebody coming at me with uh their their negativity and their their, um, fear and all this kind of stuff. What I, what I'm looking at is somebody who's in the depth of their own emotional turmoil and it actually has nothing to do with me. It's coming out towards me, but it, it's not about me. So when I've had difficult conversations where, um, my father, for example, is afraid about, you know, the implications of, of me being naked online, what I see is his fear. I, I don't really receive it as a, uh, criticism of myself or what I'm doing, but an expression of his own emotional world. So I can support other people's emotional development as much as it's within my capacity and interest to do so. Um, but it's ultimately not ab- about me. I think it's kind of about them, which is it's the same thing that I was talking about with, with subjectivity. Like people will approach me from their own worlds, from their own emotional worlds, their own mental worlds, but that doesn't affect who I am. And the same thing, like when I have a bad day and I don't act kindly towards others, it's about me. It's not about them, you know? So I, I just kind of have this like very strong boundaries in my life around Uh, what what am I and what defines me and that's something that I choose for myself and so though I I have had to go through difficult conversations it has not in any way made me waver on my, my sense of myself or my sense of my work
0: So Sarah Jane is new to uh, nude yoga, as you've heard, and, but she's learning quickly about nudity and body issues. And she's getting lots of attention online, not all of it good, as you heard, but she is not being shamed and she's not letting people get to her. And that's a really important issue. And we've talked about uh, harassment of women online and how it turns so many of them off, off of even trying naturism, but certainly off of uh, being online and... Uh, fighting the fight to normalize nudity and to desexualize and de-objectify the human body. It's a tough part. To, it's a tough thing to do because the uh, there are so many trolls and there are so many people out there who are fighting the opposite and then use your picture. But if we stop posting pictures, then we are giving in. And if we give in, Uh, with the normalized nudity picture, the non-sexualized, non-objectifying nudity, then all that will be left is pornography and objectifying and sexualizing imagery. They will have won. We will have essentially admitted to it. So it's tough. It's tough to post your picture, especially as a woman, because you get a kind of attention you don't want and your pictures get used and abused. And if you want to hear people talking about it, I'll put links to the show notes, in the show notes, about uh, previous episodes, um, the other person you can go and listen to and talk to um, is a topless topic who has gotten a lot of flack over the years and still keeps going and still keeps fighting that uh, particular stigmatization that comes with being a woman and a naturist online. So that will be all then for this episode of the naturist Living show. Um, thank you as always for listening. My name is Stéphane Deshain, and I'm your host for this podcast and the owner of Bare Family Nature Spark. And I make the show with a lot of help from our producer, Samantha Graham, who makes it so much easier because she produces the show and she does all of the time-consuming editing. So if you want to support Samantha, make sure you remember to go to our Patreon and subscribe and help support the show. Uh, You can find links, as I mentioned throughout the show, to all the things I talked about in the show notes on our website at naturistlivingshow.com. And please keep sending your comments and suggestions. I appreciate getting them. You can uh, email them to contact at naturistlivingshow.com. And you can call and leave a comment, as you saw Andrew did. Um, You can record it yourself, or you can call the show uh, comment line. And I hear them all for sure. I can't promise I'll use it, but I will definitely listen to it. And most likely we'll use it. If it's an interesting thought or question, we'd love to get them. We'd like to address them. The show's phone number is uh, country code one 905 Or toll-free in the U.S. and Canada, 1-888-373-9124. Or by Skype. You just uh, Skype Bear Oaks, B-A-R-E-O-A-K-S, one word. And all three of those will get you into the main phone system for Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. And the show's voice mailbox extension is 333. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join us again for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show.
1: This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca. Oh,
0: Feel that their new ideas as to living in these colonies, well, it is rather unconventional, it is a movement to promote healthier minds and bodies, and each and every one of them is serious in his or her belief.